So the best piece of advice I have for these people, this audience, is whenever you're conveying ideas to a boss or to a non-technical audience, you want to take a step back and ask yourself, why does what I'm talking about matter to the other business divisions within the company? And that simple question of why does this matter will greatly simplify a lot of the languaging that a lot of these execs use currently in the boardroom. Welcome back to another episode of Gaining the Technology Leadership Edge. And today, I have a special guest. His name is Brendan Kumarasamy. Welcome to the show. Mike, pleasure is mine. Thanks for having me. Yeah, you, you, I, I know you were once on my uh, old show, The Technology Alchemist. Um, you're a great guest. I'm looking really forward to conversation today. Tell me, tell me what you've been up to. Yeah, for sure. So, so I'm the founder of Master Talk. I create social media content on communication and public speaking. And I coach a lot of executives on how to communicate a lot better in the boardroom. But how I got started, Mike, was when I was in college. This is a long time ago at this point. I studied in accounting, funny enough, which has nothing to do with what I do today. <laughs> and I thought I was always going to be a numbers guy my whole life. But then as I got older, I started competing in these things called case competitions. Think of it like professional sports, but for nerds. So while the guys my age are playing rugby or soccer... I wasn't really one of those guys. I did presentations competitively. That's how I learned how to speak. And then over time, I realized that a lot of the knowledge that I was teaching the students in college applied to everybody. So I started making videos on social media, and then here we are a few years later. That's awesome. And I wanted to mention to the user, the listeners before we continue, you know, you were just recently um, asked to be one of the voices of LinkedIn, which I think is a great honor. So congratulations on that. Thanks, Mike. Long time coming for sure. Yeah. Yeah. So tell me, tell me about um, Magic Mind. Um, I know, I know it's a YouTube channel that you that you've run for quite a while, actually. But tell me, like, what kind of topics do you cover there? Yeah, for sure. So with Master Talk, I started posting content in January of 2019. So it's been around five years now that I've been creating content in general. And really, the goal is to be in the encyclopedia of communication, Mike. So whether it's on LinkedIn, whether it's on Instagram, whether it's on link on YouTube, it's about saying, what are the questions that people have on communication? How do I address 80 to 90% of all of those questions in a social media format? So when somebody goes to Master Talk, what they'll find is they'll find the answers to everything that they're thinking about on how to get better at speaking. So what do you find, like, like you work with executives just like I do, what do you find their biggest struggle is with communication? Yeah, so to build on on the point that you made earlier prior to the show, Mike, you know, the big challenge that executives face, especially technology ones, is number one, how do they speak to a non-technical audience and how do they use less jargon whenever they're conveying ideas to the world? So let's let's fix those two really quick. The the first point around jargon is what a lot of these executives miss. A lot of them start their careers technical, not all of them, but a, a good majority of them. So they'll start as developers, then they'll become senior developers, then they'll manage a small team of devs, then they'll become a VP of engineering or director of engineering. That's usually the path, as you know. But because of their upbringing, because of how they were raised, how their careers went, they've always been rewarded to be very technical. So it makes sense that when they get into management, they'll use the same communication habits that got them to that title. And this is where the problem lies. When you become a director slash VP at that point, you're no longer just doing the technical side, you're communicating the business case of why we're implementing the technology in the first place, which most, most engineers don't realize is vastly more important than the actual tech. Like making the business decision to spend $5 million on a new SAP system or a new Oracle system, it's probably tens of millions actually in that case, 
is a lot more significant than the T codes or the little jargons that go into actually making the software work. So the best piece of advice I have for these people, this audience, is whenever you're conveying ideas to a boss or to a non-technical audience, you want to take a step back and ask yourself, why does what I'm talking about matter to the other business divisions within the company? And that simple question of why does this matter will greatly simplify a lot of the languaging that a lot of these execs use currently in the boardroom. Yeah, that makes sense because it goes back to that whole less is more thing. Um, and I think, I think that's in the, one tip I always give my clients is think about who you're talking to. And like you say, what is it that's important to them to know? And like if it's your boss, they're probably just going to want an overview of, you know, are you going to hit your deadlines? Um, any problems that you're facing that you might need their help with? So kind of truncate what you're going to say. Make sure that you're not going on and on and on so you lose their their interest because uh, you, you're you asking them for help. They're not hearing it because you're just talking and talking and talking and talking and talking. So that's that's good. That's good advice. Um, but how how do you think What's the best approach for going about both doing that, understanding who you're talking to so that you control your message, but also avoiding the jargon? Like how, how what's the best approach for that? Yeah, for sure. So for avoiding jargon, an easy way to think about this, that this is the way I teach it anyways, is whenever a technology executive, because interaction is key here. Let's say I'm an executive in a company and I'm speaking in a very jargon-esque way and I'm using all these terms. What's necessary is the feedback loop. So we know what, what agile is in technology implementations where we're creating an iteration cycle on a tech project we're working on to get the deliverable done on time and on budget. But we don't apply that iteration cycle to communication, Mike. So for example, if I'm an exec and I'm saying, hey, what were some of the words that I used in this meeting that sounded jargony to you? or if that's a word, like that was a jargon or something. So then your employees will be nervous at the beginning. They're like, oh, you're fine. I got it because they don't want to lose face in a meeting. But if you ask that every single meeting or 50% of meetings or in private meetings with other business units, then they'll start telling you, hey, what did you mean by this? What did you mean by this? And your job as the executive is to write all those words down that you're using. And then on your own time, and it won't take that long, Take 30 minutes and look at these jargon words and go, okay, is there an easier way to explain this? So instead of going like technology infrastructure, just go, okay, this is the tech that we're implementing within the business. Something like that, right? I don't have a full list to give you today, but you get the idea. If you sure. just follow that framework with 10 to 15 words, it'll be really easy. But the problem with execs, unfortunately, a lot of them got some egos and they're not willing to just take a step back and just ask their team, hey, is there any words that I used to? Did it make sense? And I think that's why I became a lot better at communication, where at the beginning, I was just talking about what I thought mattered to the audience. But then when you actually start working with clients, you realize that, oh, what I'm sharing isn't actually valuable to them. So I have to take a step back and go, what is actually valuable to you and change my languaging? Yeah, that's interesting. We we have a friend who um, recently had an experience. She um, She's had a couple of um, mental breakdown kind of issues and she went to a therapist and at the end of the session, the therapist asked, was this helpful to you so far? And she answered honestly and said, no. Uh, it, and she and she explained to them why it wasn't helpful. Um, they they spent more time talking than listening to her, you know, that kind of stuff. And so then she scheduled her second appointment. And unfortunately, it was the same, more of the same. Um, the only thing they did was it was a... Uh, like a student that she's working with. So they added their supervisor to the call, um, but didn't change a thing. And it, it boggles my mind that what I'm getting at and the reason I mentioned this is, you're right, feedback's important. 
but you've also got to respond to the feedback. You have to, you have to make changes whether you think you need to or not. It's your audience that matters, right? So if like if I sat here in the show and we spoke um, you know, some foreign language that only you and I know, literally we made up this language. So we're talking this language, who would watch? Nobody would watch because they wouldn't understand a word we said. Well, it's the same thing if you're talking to your staff, you're giving instructions. Well, if you're using words they don't understand or if you're talking too much, they're, they need to tell you that and you need to ask them that. I, I totally agree with you. I love the feedback loop. I've used that to avoid major disasters and projects before. It's just, what what is it you're hearing me say? And they'll repeat back and then you go, that's not at all what I said. I don't understand. What's your advice for you know, setting aside ego and listening to the feedback, like how, how do they implement that? Yeah, for sure. And and that's why, especially in, in the industry we're speaking to right now, Mike, there's not a lot of exceptional communicators in the tech space. It's actually very rare to find someone who has built technical prowess, is like a technical prodigy, and is also an exceptional communicator. It's a very rare combination. That's why if you have that, it's much easier for you to get into sea level. So what I would, my advice is always simple with with getting rid of the ego, all that stuff. It goes back into what is your vision. So when I talk to directors and VPs of engineering, all of them say the same thing. My goal is to be CTO. My goal is to be CIO. I want to be or CISO. Like I want to be chief information officer, chief information security officer, or chief tech. And I go, great. What do you feel is the gap between you and that person right now? If I made you a C level. And the gap is really in terms of the communication. You know, there's a great guy, I forgot his name, but he said that the C and C level stands for confidence, right? How do you convey ideas and a vision for the technology that you're implementing in a business in a way that's compelling to the board and to everyone else within the business? So it's the same game here. How badly do you want to get to that level of your career? And if you're saying 10 or more and you're going, I'm super committed, then the next step is to realize that communication is the gap that helps you fill it to get to that level. So I think for us, it's always about going back to our self-interest, which is what is our career goal? And then backtracking our career goal to where we want to be. But if you're, and but and I've met people like this too. There's nothing wrong with this, Mike. If you're like a technical guy, you're a director and you're saying, this is the peak of my career. I don't really want to get into higher levels of management. Then there's nothing I can say to convince you to, to change your mind about this. Then you'll just be at the same level and that's okay too. <laughs> yeah, it, it's funny because you know, we talk about a lot of topics on this show um, and communication, like, like in my coaching program, it's one of the major pillars of the program because without a, without a person, every single one of the people I work with has some kind of issue with communication, uh, be it they over communicate, they under communicate, they don't communicate at the right time. Uh, and so I've come up with a whole program for, you know, teaching them that and, uh, it, it helps, but practice, but they have to practice it. And I think that's a good reason to come onto a podcast as a guest is you have to present your message in a, you know, teeny tiny little box and you don't get to talk for three hours. You have to fit within the time limit of that show. So it just helps. I think like anything else, the more you can practice communication, the better, but what about written communication? Uh, what advice have you got there? Yeah, for sure, Mike. I'll I'll be upfront. I'm not a superstar expert on written, but what I would say is it's like a balancing wheel. So some of us are better at written than verbal, and some of us are better at verbal than written. So here's the advice for both parties. If you're really, really good at written and really bad at verbal, my advice would be every time you write something really good, 
take out your voice recorder, which is a free app on your phone. You can just download it, turn on the voice recorder and just read off what you're saying every day for five, 10 minutes. Or you can do this for an hour a week. So you can only do it once a week, whatever works for you. And that helps you better at become better at verbal. If you're a lot better at verbal than written, then what you want to do is you want to record yourself again at the beginning as you're saying something, and then you transcribe what you're saying word for word on a Word document. That improves your communication skills dramatically, especially when you're sending out emails and you're giving people lessons on what to do next. You'll, if you're really bad at written, it shows because what you're instructing people to say verbally that sounds really good is actually really bad on the written side. And there is a third category. If you're bad at both, if you're bad at written and verbal, I'd always encourage to start with verbal and mastering that because it's just easier. The learning curve is a lot faster and it's less boring. Like to get really good at written, you have to re you have to write something, rewrite it, rewrite it, and you go, oh my God, I don't want to do this right. anymore. Because usually most people who are really good at written like written, like the reading books and the writing and all that stuff. So I would encourage you to do something like the random word exercise where you pick a word like phone or cell phone or ceiling and you create 60 second presentations verbatim on the spot. If you good do idea. that a few times a day, you'll get really good at speaking. Yeah, that's a great idea. That's great advice. But then what happens like, like they're, they're good at verbal, but they're not so great at written and they transcribe and they see gaps. Um, can they go to like your master talk, a YouTube channel and find a way to deal with those gaps that they have? Yeah, absolutely. That's, that's super nuanced. So that's very, it's very difficult to coach that on a social media video. I would say Mike, where it's like, you're, you're specifically saying something verbally and then recording it for written and then realizing it, that there's a gap between both of those instances. That's not so easy to fix. So what I would say in that case, the easiest way to go about it is to just work your speaking muscle. So when you do the random word exercise, especially a lot of the technology execs I coach, for most of them, 90% of them, they're ESLs. So English is not their first language. They're like Indian executives or Chinese executives, Korean executives. So for them, especially... What I always say is like, hey, if you just do the random word exercise, your vocabulary and your articulation improves over time. But you have to be willing to do it 100 times. And most people in tech aren't even willing to try this exercise once because I know this demo so well. So the key is like you need to be willing to practice this a few times a day. And the easiest way to do this with execs is always with their children or their nieces and nephews. They usually have like five-year-olds running around the house or 10-year-olds. So doing this with them actually teaches you a lot more about communication than anything else because they don't overthink the exercise. And then beyond that, I would say at the executive level, if you really want to fill in that gap, I would hire a coach, whether it's you or somebody else. Yeah, I think I think hiring a coach is an important thing. And unfortunately, though, I find in the business world, people look at coaches a lot like therapists. It's like some kind of a uh, you know black mark on them because they have a coach. And I actually think that needs to change because... Um, you know, people like you and I, we're here to help people do better um, at some specific aspect of their job, life, whatever. Uh, and there's no shame in trying to get better at something. I don't see why that's a, that's an issue. So that's interesting. I was actually going to ask you, what, what is it like to engage with you on a coaching basis? Yeah, for sure, Mike. And and to build on on the point you just mentioned, you know, the frame that that I teach people is is to not look at coaches as therapists. That's maybe 10, 20% of the job. I mean, let's not kid ourselves. There's a little bit of therapy there, just sure. helping them out. But most of it is is think of it more like why does Kobe Bryant why does LeBron James, why do the best professional athletes in the world have like not one coach, but like 17 of them, one for like every part of their body? 
because they want to perform optimally. They want to be the best in the world, except a lot of people in the corporate space don't bring that mentality to become C-level executives. All the C-level, even if they don't communicate it every time they're in a board or they're they're speaking on a Jim Cramer interview or something, they all have coaches, all of them. I, I would be shocked if they didn't, except maybe like Elon Musk. That's why they're able to convey ideas really well. They all have exec coaches who are managing their mindset mm. because they're professional athletes, but in the corporate world. And that's the mindset. I would say for people to engage with me, the answer is really simple. I always like to start it off with an Instagram conversation. So you could just DM me on Instagram and just say what you took away from this podcast is probably a great start. And that's master your talk. You just go there if you want. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah, I think I think you're right. I think I think you need to stop thinking of a coach as a therapist. And again, you're right. I mean, sometimes it involves a little bit of that type of approach. But like, like I'll give you an example. Like, I think people miss a lot of communication issues are because people miss what the other person is saying. They misunderstand. Um, like my my wife and I, uh, I'm on my second marriage and I know that in my first marriage, our communication, we would talk past each other. And I vowed that that wasn't going to happen this time. And so we work on things like, wait a second, I just heard you say this, which doesn't make any sense. Is that what you said? Nine out of 10 times, the answer is no, it's not anything like what I said. And what happens is by give, doing that feedback back and forth, we avoid bickering and arguing about stupid things because now we're we're understanding what each other is saying rather than talking past each other. And that's probably something that goes back to when you suggested, you know, getting feedback from people that you're talking to. Um, you, you'd be surprised what happens when you ask them, well, you know, what did you hear from me just now? What did I say? And when they repeat it back, most of the time, it's not that close to what you said. Either they weren't paying attention or you weren't clear enough, one or the other. Uh, but there's a miss. Well, think about it. If you're asking your staff member to go do something and you're giving them instructions, but they didn't understand what you said, what kind of results do you think you're going to get back? Not very good, right? So, you know, what are some tools that that people can use to work on these things to get better at communication? Yeah, absolutely, Mike. So the way that I think about it is communication is like juggling 18 balls at the same time. One of those balls is body language. One of them is listening. One of them is eye contact. If you try and juggle all 18 balls at the same time, all of them fall to the ground. So instead, the question I ask myself to build on what you asked is what are the three easiest balls to juggle in the air? Because if we can get those three right, it's going to be really easy to build momentum. So let's go through them. Number one, we like we talked about, I call the strategy RQV. So the first R is the random word exercise, right? So like we said, take a word like headphones, like, uh, like tissue box, like ceiling. Do that a few times a day and your goal should be trying to get to 100. Maybe out of every podcast I'm on, 1% of people, maybe one person will do it 100 times. Make sure that person is you especially in the tech space. No one's doing these exercises. So just doing this even halfway puts you ahead of your competition. Q in RQV. Q is, stands for the question drill. Question drills are really simple. When I started guesting on podcasts, and it's funny, you're actually a great example of this, Mike, because you're one of the first podcasts I ever guested on in my career a long time ago. I didn't really know what I was doing. You know, I remember some guy asked me the funniest question. He said, hey, Brendan, where does the fear of communication come from? And I looked at him. It wasn't you. It was somebody else. And I was like, oh, my <laughs> God, what? what is he? I don't know. New York City? Arizona? I don't know where the fear comes from. <laughs> so how did I fix this, Mike? Every single day for five minutes, I answered one question about my expertise that I thought somebody would ask me. But if you do that every day for a year, you'll have answered 300 
365 questions. You'll be bulletproof. And the way that a tech executive can do this, the easiest application is job interviews. Just pull up the top 20 questions you get asked in a VP engineering interview. That's your practice. And finally, number three of RQV is video messages. Just send video messages to people in your team. Just say, hey, John, I really appreciate the work that you're doing. People will fall in love with you. They'll build a loyalty, but don't just do it with coworkers. Do this with your friends, your family, your kids. It goes a long way. That's RQV. That's awesome. I, I like that because we've all seen really great communicators. You know, they put out videos and you'll hear them speak multiple times. And there's always... When a topic comes up, what they say is very similar each time. They're not changing what they're saying. Uh, it creates this consistency about a message that they're putting out there. And I really think it's because they've done something like what you're talking about, where they've practiced responding to the question or explaining their position on something. I, I also think that by doing that, it also, like if you're trying to explain your position on an issue, if you take the time to like practice it, you might find some nuanced things that you miss and you can improve your response to, hey, what's your position on this? Um, and there's no shame in having the, you know, kind of a sort of memorized response. I mean, you know, you, we, we all have our, look at, look at brands, you know, Nike, just do it. I mean, you know, they, there's things that stick in your head and they don't change that message every you know month. It's been around for a long, long time for a reason. It becomes what, what you say on that topic becomes known to be from you, which is important. You know, you have to, we're all fighting with this noisy, um, crazy internet uh, for attention and the one way to get attention is to be consistent in your message. So I think that's great. That's great advice. And it's super simple. Um, I encourage people, like all of you guys out there that are listening, you tell your people to practice what they're doing. You know, go out there and do, um, you know, do uh, side projects so you get better at coding. Why aren't you getting, why aren't you doing a side project of getting better at communicating? Um, how do you feel about how do you feel about people joining Toastmasters for communication improvement? Yeah, great question, Mike. I think Toastmasters is a great organization. It's a nonprofit. They have clubs on, in pretty much every major city in the world. It doesn't cost a lot of money. It's like 10 bucks a month. And it's a great avenue to go every week and start working on your communication. So if you're somebody in college, you have less than five years of work experience, and you're making less than, let's say, 50 grand a year which is not this audience, then I would say do Toastmasters. For executives, I would give a different piece of advice. There's like three levels, right? The first level is to go to like a free training. Well, I host a free training every two weeks. It's like a free communication thing. It's on Zoom. It's free. There's nothing. There's no cost to that. The second version would be like Toastmasters, like 10 bucks a month. Everyone's got 10 bucks a month, like spend it. And then the third one would be investing in an executive communication coach. So if you're making over 50 grand a year, probably most of you are doing over six figures. At that level, your time is more valuable than your money. Your time is more valuable than your money. So in like a Toastmasters group, what happens is it's cheap. People are great. I love the, I've visited probably 10 clubs in my career so far. They're all awesome, but you're not going to get executive level feedback. Like don't expect to go into that club and get like a professional speech coach to go like, okay, these are all the mistakes you make. You need to get better. Right. Whereas at the third level, you can get your company to pay for it or something, invest a few thousand to get that personalization. Kind of like the difference between a gym membership and a personal trainer would be the difference here as well. Totally makes sense because one of the one of the issues I've always had with Toastmasters is it's great for building your confidence. If you're afraid to speak in front of people, 
Um, it's amazing for building your confidence. But if you have a problem, maybe you say, um, 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 way too much. You'll get that feedback, but they're not going to teach you how to not say, um, 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 um. They're just going to say, hey, you say, um, too much. All right. Now, how do I fix that? <laughs> so I, I think that, I think you're absolutely right. Like having a, a, a communications coach going to go a long way towards fixing the crutches that we all have with our communication. And let's be real. I've never met a perfect communicator yet. Um, everybody back to what you were saying about written, written and verbal. Um, some people really are great at writing and they're terrible at speaking. And some people speak smooth as silk, but their writing is terrible. And I've even caught myself sometimes reading something going, my God, I just listened to this guy deliver an hour speech and he sounded like, you know, a golden tongue. What is this garbage that I'm reading? You know, <laughs> It's like, wow, uh, it kind of, it kind of uh, destroys your, uh, your view of that person. It really does. So well, this, this has been amazing. I mean, as usual, you've, you've delivered on some really good uh, pieces of information. How can people get in touch with you, especially if they want to get into that free training? Yeah, for sure, Mike. First of all, great, great to be on the show. Thanks again for believing me long before everyone else did. I really appreciate it. Be on your show again. So two ways to keep in touch. One, if you can figure out how to spell my name, you can absolutely add me on LinkedIn. It's totally a possibility. But the second way, which is much easier, is what I'll challenge the audience to do, Mike, is to send me a DM on Instagram and tell me what was your biggest takeaway from today's show. I reply to all my DMs on Instagram. You could also message me on LinkedIn. But my handle for Instagram is master your talk. And your is spelled Y-O-U-R. So that's master your talk. Send me a DM on Instagram and tell me, what your biggest takeaway was from today's podcast. And I'll send you a little special gift for doing that. Well, as everybody probably saw the, there's a, um, there's a graphic on screen for, with all that information, his uh, LinkedIn name is there. Um, and, you know, feel free to connect there. Like he says, um, but definitely get in touch because, you know, like he says, I mean, it's been about two years now that we, since we last talked and um, I mean, I'm just as impressed today as I was then. I, I really, really appreciate your, your time. I like your passion for the topic. Um, so thanks so much for being here. I mean, you've you've really helped out my audience quite a bit. I guarantee you that. For sure, Mike. Thanks for having me. All right. Well, thank you for watching another episode of Gaining the Technology Leadership Edge. We're here every Wednesday, 8 a.m. Pacific on LinkedIn and YouTube and Facebook. So thank you, everybody, everybody for listening.